First Thessalonians chapter number five. I'll tell you, my, my heart is full tonight as we approach this uh, Thanksgiving season. And I spent some time this afternoon prior to the service just reflecting on all the things that God has given me, all the ways that God has been good to me. And uh, I can tell you, God has been so good to me. I have a uh, great family, beautiful wife, wonderful wife. And I, I can tell you I know that because the only reason y'all tolerate me is because y'all want her around. And so I, I appreciate that. Oh. <laughs> uh, have a great church to call my church home and uh, get to stand inside of a nice air-conditioned, heated building. I've got all the uh, conveniences that the world has to offer, vehicles, all those things. God has been good to me far beyond what I deserve, and I'm thankful for that. And I want to spend some time tonight. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18, and many of us probably would have this verse memorized the Bible says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Father, we love you tonight, and I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would use me tonight, that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of thy people, that you would encourage, lift up, and help each and every believer that's here tonight. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, a very familiar verse, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And as we look at this verse, I want you to notice that he says, in everything, in everything, we are to give thanks unto God. Now, sometimes that's hard to do, but God says we're to do that in everything. That means even in the things that we may not necessarily like, we are to give thanks for. I think about the child that wakes up on Christmas morning, man, he's excited. He runs down to the tree and he's looking for a present. There's a big box there. He's excited. He knows he's going to get the toy he wants. He's ripping that thing open. He pops it open and there's new clothes. Man, that's just a complete sad time for that young child. And rather than being thankful for what he had, he's kind of bummed about it. But you know, sometimes God gives us spiritual clothing. Maybe not the thing that we want at the time, but he gives us the things that we need. And even those are the things that we're to be thankful for. God says in everything we're to give thanks. You know, there's no stipulation on this either. It's not just in the things that we like, the things that we enjoy. But there are times when God allows trying times into our life. The trying of our faith. Difficult situations. And according to this verse, if we are... To obey God, he says, in everything give thanks. So that means even in the trying of our faith, even in the hard times in our lives, we are to be thankful unto our God. In fact, I would say that if you go through a difficult circumstance and you know that it is God working on your faith, you ought to be more thankful than ever before that God had enough confidence in you to say, I'm going to allow you to go through this with confidence that you, as my child, can make it through and come out as gold, silver, precious stones. In everything, not only the things we enjoy, but in all things, he says, to give thanks. Why? Because it's the will of God. You know, I, I think when we look at this, it's important for us to understand that thanksgiving, thanks be to God, is not just a suggestion, not just a thing that we do because we think that it'll get us some brownie points with God, but to realize that thanksgiving to God is the will of God. It is necessary for you and I as a Christian 
if God says giving thanks to Him in all things is the will of God, then to have an ungrateful attitude and spirit is to be outside of the will of God. Not only does being an unthankful person make you a very miserable person, but it makes you to be outside of the will of God. So he says, in everything, give thanks because it's the will of God. And then notice this phrase, in Christ Jesus concerning you. As we look at this, again, this is introductory, but he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think it's very important that when we look at this, we understand the writer here, the Holy Spirit of God, is not saying that as a church collectively we are to give thanks to God. I believe that's true. He does not say that as a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, a full-time Christian worker, we're to give thanks to God. No, he uses the very personal word, you. Very simple word, but he says it's the will of God concerning you. What he's saying is, if you're reading this verse right now tonight, when you look at that and you read 1 Thessalonians 5.18, God says, it is my will for you personally, individually, to give thanks in all things to our God. And I think as we look here tonight, we're, we're mindful of what time of the year it is. We have Thanksgiving this week, and we come to a time in the year when we begin to reflect more on the things that we're grateful for. And that's just the time that we've set aside here in our nation to think about Thanksgiving. And it ought to be the time when we remember all that has been given to us, a time when we remember all that has been done for us. I don't believe that there's a single person in the auditorium tonight that with a good conscience could say that I have not been blessed abundantly because we know we have all been given far more than we deserve. We know that tonight. But I understand also that Thanksgiving is one of those funny times of the year because we know we ought to be reflecting on how good God has been. We know we ought to be reflecting on the things that God has done for us. But at the same time, it's funny because Thanksgiving and Christmas are also those times of the year when there are more distractions than any other time. Rather than reflecting on the goodness of God, rather than thinking about how grateful we are to our God for being so good, we become so distracted by things such as Man, who's fam which, which house are we going to meet at with the family? Who's cooking the turkey? Who's cooking the desserts? And we get so wrapped up in these things. Who's going to be playing football on that Thanksgiving weekend? And we get so lost in all these things that we miss the purpose of Thanksgiving. We are so blessed with so much to be thankful for. Again, our text tonight says that we ought to be constant in all things, at all times, thankful unto our God. And by the way, Thanksgiving in the life of a Christian is not limited to one time a year. Every single day, every morning, all throughout every day, every night before we pillow our head ought to be Thanksgiving for you and I. Ought to be a time when we reflect and we give praise and honor and glory to our God for how good He's been. And I could spend literally all night tonight preaching. In fact, the sound guys told me I could. They said this battery will last all night. But I could spend all night preaching to you and telling you all the things that I'm thankful to God for all the things that God has given me. But if you'll allow me to tonight, I want to look at three things that God has laid on my heart. Many, many more could be said, many more could be included, but we're going to look at three things tonight that God has laid on my heart that I'm thankful for. After all, every good Baptist preacher needs three points in a poem. Unfortunately, I don't have the poem tonight, so if you've got a good one to go with my message, you can tell it afterwards. But three things tonight that I just want to say thank the Lord for. So if you're taking notes, number one, I want to say thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. 
Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. I believe that that Bible that you hold in your lap right now is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect, preserved Word of God. When you look at your Bible and what you have in your hand, that King James Bible, you understand that it is inspired. Literally, that book is God-breathed. It's infallible. It cannot be corrupted. Your Bible is inerrant. There are absolutely no errors inside of God's Word. It is perfect. It is complete. And when you look at the Bible, you can rest assured that it is eternally preserved to every generation. It is the Word of God. Our Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. Now, we say that and we throw that around as Baptists, but I want you to understand that every individual Christian, that book that's in your lap, the Word of God, the Bible, ought to be our sole authority for everything we do. We get our doctrine from the Word of God. We get our convictions from the Word of God. We get the reason that we do what we do from the Word of God. Why? Very simple. It's God's Word. The Creator's Word. And it is our authority. I have in my hands tonight, when you hold this book in your hand, I want you to know you have the only living book that's in existence today. You can go to the biggest library in all the world and you can see thousands and thousands and thousands of books, but there's never been a book like this book. It is the living book. It is the only book that is a perfect book. You can open your Bible and from cover to cover, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you find the revelation, the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's Word has always been and will forever be. I want you to think about that. God's Word has always been, will forever be. John declares in John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning, eternity past, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And not only was this word all the way in the beginning, but that book that's in your hand has been eternally preserved to you and I tonight. You can look in Psalm chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God has promised to preserve His word forever. Psalm 40 and verse number 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It is inspired. It is God-breathed. We all know 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We have tonight the entire preserved, eternally preserved Word of God. And I want you to realize tonight, this is incredible to think about, but you have in your lap right now more than the majority of the men that you'll read about inside of its cover ever had. You think about this. You read the lives of Abraham and Moses, these great men of God, yet you have more than they ever had because you have the completed written Word of God. You look in your New Testament and you see the giants of the faith, Peter and the Apostle Paul, who penned much of the New Testament. But I want you to understand tonight, as great of men of God as they were and as much as they had to see Jesus Christ physically on this earth, to speak with Him, to walk with Him, you and I have more than they had because we have a perfect, completed Word of God. 
You see, they saw Jesus face to face, those disciples. They walked with him face to face. But I want you to know tonight that every time I open my Bible, no matter where I turn, I can see my Savior personally face to face. Maybe not physically, but listen, I can see my Savior in the pages of this book. I have more tonight than those men had because we have the entire preserved Word of God. Psalm 119 and verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What a great promise we find in the Bible. And I want you to see tonight that not only do we have God's perfect word, and I'm so thankful that we have a completed Bible, but I want you to know concerning this book, it contains everything that you and I need. Now, I understand tonight, and some of you may come up to me and just try to be nitpicky and say, Hold on a minute. We need sleep, and we need food, and we need water. I understand those things. But I want you to see tonight that outside of the necessities of life, this book has everything you need. Absolutely everything you need. How many of you realize tonight that knowing God is not optional, it's necessary? Do you believe that tonight? Knowing God is not optional, it is necessary. How do we know God? Listen, friend, it is in the Bible that God reveals Himself to us. It is in His Word that He shows us who He is. You can open your Bible and you can study and you can learn the names of God. There are so many names of God. You think of Emmanuel, God with us. You can look at Adonai. You can look at Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the commander of the armies of heaven. You can look at all the names of God that are in the Bible. And what do they do? They reveal God's character. They show us who He is. Where do we find those names? They're in the Bible. Do you realize tonight that it is impossible to separate the Word of God from the person of God? You cannot separate them because God's Word, when you read and you study who God is and His Word, it 100% perfectly represents God's character 100% of the time. When you read in your Bible a characteristic of God, you can rest assured that that characteristic is exactly what God will exhibit all the time. Because you cannot separate God's Word from God's person. It is a perfect representation. God will not act contrary to what His Word says about Himself. So we come to the Word of God and it shows us who He is. Not only that, but it shows us our sin and our need of Jesus Christ. It's in the Word of God that we find the earthly life of Jesus Christ. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is four books dedicated to the earthly ministry of our Savior Those are included so that we have an example to follow. We can literally read about what Jesus did, where He went, what He taught, why He taught it, the miracles that He performed. And these are to be our examples to follow. Friend, your Bible contains everything that we need. It tells us how we can know God. Necessity. You want to know what else this Bible does for us? On the idea that it contains all we need? It's in your Bible that if you're lost tonight, if you're uncertain of where you go when, you're going, when you die, it is in the Bible that tells us how to know that our sins are forgiven and that heaven is our home. You can take the greatest orator in all of the world. I mean the most influential, dynamic speaker. And if he tells you how to go to heaven, contrary to what this book says, you're going straight to hell. Because it is only in the Bible that God reveals to us how to know that heaven is our home. It is the Word of God that changes our lives. 
the Word of God that tells us Jesus, the Son of God, died on that old rugged cross. The Bible says, bearing in His body the sin of the world, that all who believe in Him, having repented of their sins, might be saved. Friend, listen, this book is all you need. It tells you how to know God. It tells you how to know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. But you want to know what else? It just keeps getting better. Because if you're struggling with sin tonight as a Christian, maybe it's a besetting sin. Maybe it's one of those sins that you just can't get the victory over. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and maybe it's not a besetting sin, but you're involved in some new sin in your life. It is the Word of God. It is the Bible that explains to us how we can get victory in our lives. It's the Bible that tells us how to have restored fellowship with God. Psalm 119 and verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What that tells me is as a Christian, once I've meditated on and I've memorized and I've studied my Bible, when I start to step off the path, when I start to enter into that sin, the Holy Spirit of God will bring that word of God to my heart and to my mind. And the word of God prevents me, helps me not to fall into that sin. Friend, it has all that we need. If you're struggling tonight, it shows you how to get victory. If you're here tonight and you recognize your sin and you need to get right with God, one of the sweetest verses in all the Bible is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, friend, listen, your book has everything that you need. Not only does it tell us how to know God, how to be saved, how to get right as a Christian, but I want you to know tonight... If you're hungry spiritually, your Bible is the bread of life. Matthew 4, 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want you to understand that the Word of God, your King James Bible, is the spiritual bread that you need in your life to grow. Hebrews talks about the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. That spiritual sustenance that a new Christian needs, they need to get into the Word of God. That spiritual milk of the Word will help them to grow to where they can handle the strong meat of the Word. You can open your Bibles tonight and God's Word will satisfy your hungering spirit. If you're thirsty tonight, God's Word is living water. You can open your Bible and you'll find that God's Word is a bottomless well that you can draw from again and again and again, and it will never run dry. You will never open your Bible and not be able to find anything that you need. It is perfect. It is inspired. It is forever preserved, and it is everything you need. If you're hungry, it'll satisfy your hungering spirit. If you're thirsty, you'll find that it is a bottomless well of living water that you can draw from. Guess what? If you're exhausted tonight, perhaps you're tired and you're weary. You've been going and going and going, and you're weary and well-doing. I want you to know that you can open your Bible and you can find rest unto your souls. Matthew eleven twenty-eight says, Come unto me all. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Question, how do we come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Through His Word. Jesus said, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. Friend, listen, you come to Jesus through His Word, you can open your Bible tonight, and you can just rest a while in the Word of God. It'll give you some rest. 
It's everything you need. By the way, not only does God's Word give you the rest you need, but some of you tonight, perhaps you need a little kick in the rear to get you motivated again. Perhaps you need a little kick in the rear to get you moving and motivated and serving God again because you've gotten lazy, because you've given up on God. I want you to know you can open your Bible. Jeremiah said when he was getting ready to give up on God, the Word of God was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Listen, when Jeremiah wanted to give up on God, it was the Word of God that kept burning and burning inside of him. And if you'll go open your Bible and you'll start reading in God's Word and you've given up on God and you've gotten lazy, God's Word will provide for you all the motivation that you need to get up and get busy once again. Maybe you're discouraged tonight. I would encourage you, you open your book and you read about the crucifixion. You remember what God has done for you. You read about the great gift of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins. It'll motivate you. You look at all the goodness of God that you find in those pages. Oh, it'll get you moving. If you need direction tonight, Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Oh, if you need direction tonight and you're undecided, you don't know what to do next, God's Word will guide you. God's Word will direct you. Aren't you glad tonight? God's Word is all you need. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. By the way, you and I cannot be a success without the Word of God. We can't even succeed without His Word. Sure, you can be successful by the world's standards. You may have a six-figure salary. You might have a big house and a nice car. And the world would say, this guy is a success. But do you realize that success is not measured by what you and I possess? Success is measured by how much of this book you and I follow. And by the way, you cannot follow what you do not know. We need to be in the Word of God. Success is in how much of God's Word we follow and obey. Praise God, everything I need to be successful is found in this book. God told Joshua very plainly and very directly in chapter 1 and verse 8 that outside of God's Word, he would not be successful. You know the verse, Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. Friend, listen tonight. The Word of God is inspired, perfect, preserved. I'm so glad I have the entire Bible. I'm so glad that God has given me something that has everything that I need to be a success. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Secondly, tonight, not only do I want to thank the Lord for the Word of God, but I want to thank God for preaching. I want to thank God for preaching and preachers who will do it. Do you realize tonight that preaching is God's plan? Preaching has never been a man-made idea. Preaching has never been something that a man thought up. You open your Bible and you find that preaching has always been God's way and God's plan. Jesus Christ on many occasions stood and preached thundered forth the Word of God. And if the Word of God, this book, is how you and I know God, then the preaching of this book will help to open our understanding of who He is as well. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in personal study. It's important. I believe that you and I must be in the Word of God daily. It is necessary to personally study your Bible. But I want to tell you tonight that the preaching of God's Word is just as necessary as your personal study in His Word. Take your Bibles and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter number 4. Again, I'm so glad and thankful for preaching because it is God's gift. Don't miss this. Evangelists, pastors, teachers, folks that stand up and preach God's Word are God's gift to the local church. They are God's gifts to the local church. And by the way, their preaching is for a specific purpose. You have Ephesians 4, look at verse number 11. And He gave... Who are we talking about? Who's the he? It's God. God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I want you to notice that first verse we read, verse 11, God says, and he gave, God gave evangelists, pastors, teachers, missionaries, Bible teachers, those that preach the Bible are God's gifts to the local church. Preaching is God's plan, and it has a purpose. Preaching has a purpose. It says for the perfecting of the saints. What is that? That's helping the saints of God to stay right with God. For the work of the ministry. Whose ministry? God's ministry. Building the kingdom. Seeing the souls come to the Savior. For the edifying of the believers. How many of you in the room tonight ever need some encouragement from time to time? I want you to know God said it is the preaching of the word of God that he has given unto you to be an encouragement to build you up. The preaching has the purpose so that God's people may be sound in doctrine, not weak, and tossed to and fro with every new thing that comes along. See, it's the preaching of the Word of God that does that. It's the preaching that is God's gift to the church. If you're the type of person that finds it easy to skip a church service, there's a big problem between you and your God. If you're the type of person who comes to church, but you give very little to no attention to the preaching and teaching of the Bible, I want you to know tonight, you are robbing yourself of God's plan to reveal truth to you. God's truth is revealed through preaching. I was on this subject a few weeks ago with our teenagers on the idea of preaching and the necessity of preaching. And this is what I told them. I don't want you to miss this. Catch it. No matter how much time and effort you put into personally studying your Bible, you never, never outgrow your need for preaching. It is an essential part of God's plan. It is necessary. In fact, I would say that you can spend 30 years, 30 years studying your Bible 10 hours a day every day for 30 years. You think about that. That's a lot of Bible studying, 10 hours a day every day for 30 years. And still... You will not have everything God has planned for you if you neglect the preaching of His Word. It is important. It is necessary. You and I need preaching. And I want you to understand tonight that it is the preaching of God's Word that unlocks the power of God. Do you realize, listen, you and I are nothing. 
We cannot stand against the world, the flesh, the devil. We can't even battle our own sinful nature in and of ourselves. We need power. We need God's help. And the preaching of God's Word is power. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Do you realize tonight God said that the preaching of His Word is power. It unlocks God's power, and it is in and of itself power. Titus chapter 1, maybe you want to turn there and see this. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Look at verse 3 but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of our God and our Savior. Verse 3 says that God hath manifested, revealed his word through preaching. You see, you and I can study our Bible and praise God that the Holy Spirit can reveal to us the truths that are in it, but another plan that God had is that through the preaching of his word, God's truth is revealed to us. It's manifested. It is revealed. There is a measure of the Word of God that will be revealed behind the pulpit that we will not get in our personal study because it is God's plan. God has manifested His Word through preaching. Some of you Bible scholars, isn't it interesting, isn't it a a miracle to know that you can take a portion of Scripture... And man, you can study it, you can read it, you can outline that passage, you can meditate on that portion of Scripture, and you can spend countless hours studying, outlining, meditating, thinking about that passage of Scripture, and yet a man of God can stand up, and so often something new is revealed, something new is manifested by listening to that man of God preach on that same passage that you spent all that time outlining and meditating on. Why is that? power. We need the preaching of God's Word. It is necessary. And I'm so thankful that God has given to us preaching. Friend, God's power is so often on display during the preaching of His Word. You can see when you sit in a church service and there's a man of God thundering the Word of God, you can see the Word of God and the power of God working in the hearts and lives of people. It's amazing. One of the greatest things in all the world is to go to a week of camp and to see a man stand up and preach the Bible for 45 minutes to an hour and he is thundering the Word of God. He is declaring the Word of God. And then the invitation comes and you can see the power of God moving in the hearts of those teenagers as literally hundreds will walk out of their pew, start walking down that aisle. And you see young teenage guys... Their will has been broken by the power of God's Word. Their hearts are broken. They're ready to surrender. You see some young ladies walking down that aisle to get right with God, tears flowing, mascara everywhere. It's a beautiful thing. Friend, listen, you can see the power of God working in the hearts and lives of people through the preaching. And I want you to know this as well. The one doing the preaching is not excluded from that. Perhaps the one that God deals with and works on the most during preaching is the one delivering the message. It's not just for the folks sitting out there. It's for the man behind the pulpit himself. And by the way, 
Pastor Andy, myself, others that preach, we need preaching too. That's why we go away to other places sometimes and get some preaching for ourselves. Thank God for preaching. But I can't just thank the Lord for preaching without saying something about the men who do it. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful tonight for the men that are faithful to stand up and preach the Word of God. So thankful for it. I'm thankful for what God does in my heart during the preaching. Uh, just a few weeks ago, many of you know, we, uh, several of us went up to Jacksonville, Florida. And there was a Preacher's Delight conference going on up there. And uh, really, it was a great time. Dr. Greg Neal was the host. Many of you know who he is. And there was something that he said again and again while we were up there. And it just resonated with me. And the more that he said it, he must have said it a half a dozen times. And here's what he said. Almost at the beginning of every service, at the end of every service, this was a conference just for preachers and church staff. And he would get up behind the pulpit and he would say this, I love preachers. I just love preachers. I love being around the God-called men who stand and preach the Word of God. And the more I thought about that statement, the more I realized how true that is in my life. I love the men of God. I love preachers that will stand up and preach the Bible. Obviously, my family has had a big part in my life and a big influence in my life. But outside of my family, I want you to know that it's been preachers that have had the greatest influence on my life. It was freshly out of high school, just a few weeks out of high school, it was underneath the preaching of God's Word that God got hold of my life and turned my life around. It's been underneath the preaching of God's Word that I have grown as a Christian. Thank God for preaching and for preachers that will do it. Hey, I want you to understand, and you know this, but I want to remind you anyway, it is not easy. It is not easy for a man of God to stand behind the pulpit week after week, battling the world, battling the flesh, battling the devil, maybe even battling those in his own congregation, but yet the man of God will stand as a rock, unmovable, preaching and thundering, thus saith the Lord. It's not easy. But yet a man of God will stand week after week, regardless of the battle, and he'll be like a rock, unmovable. Those men that spend countless hours studying, spend countless hours on their knees seeking God's message to give to God's people, I want you to know tonight, I'm thankful for preaching, that God uses it. I'm thankful for the preacher that will stand and preach. And church, you ought to thank God for this man down here, for Pastor Andy. Because for year after year, he has been a solid rock at Central Baptist Church. Tonight, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for preaching. Thank you for the preachers that will stand up and do it. And lastly, and very simply tonight, I want to say thank you, Lord, that I can serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I wonder tonight, are you excited about the idea that you get to serve the King? Or have you lost the wonder of it all? Have you become so used to playing church that you've forgotten about the glorious, miraculous thing it is to serve Almighty God? I am thankful tonight that I get to serve God. And just in closing tonight, listen, I want you to see it is an amazing thing just to be able to serve Almighty God. When you think about who God is and you open your Bible, you study, you listen to preaching, you find that our God is a holy God. Our God is an all-powerful God. Our God 
has always existed in eternity past. Our God will continue to exist in eternity future with or without us. Do you understand that God did not need us? Now, He lovingly created us, but He did not need us. God does not need a single thing from you or I, but yet He is mindful of us. Think of it. He is mindful of you and I. The Bible says about about us that we are sinful creatures. Our sins separated us from God. I thank God that Jesus made a way for our sins to be forgiven, that we can have a home in heaven. Our relationship with God has been restored. But even as a Christian, God says the best we have to offer is as a filthy rag in God's sight. And yet God Almighty, who is holy and all-powerful, who does not need us, is mindful of us and in love. He gives us the opportunity to serve the King. Doesn't need us, but oh, does He delight in you and I and our heart toward Him. I want you to know tonight that whatever it is God has called you to do, don't miss this, whatever God has called you to do here at Central Baptist Church, whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching, whether it's driving a bus, Maybe it's cleaning the bathroom. Maybe it's going out on visitation, working with the sound system, taking care of the paperwork of the church. Whatever it is God has given you to do at Central Baptist Church, you are working for King Jesus. Friend, listen, I am so excited that I get to serve God. There is nothing greater in all the world than to know that an old sinner like me, saved by the grace of God, can be used by God. Friend, hey, you don't have to have anything between you and your Savior. You can go straight to God. You can serve God directly. You are a personal servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a convention that I have to go through. There's not another man of, that I have to go through to confess my sin, to get to God. There's no one else that I have to go through in order to please God. You and I can serve our Savior directly, personally, intimately, We get to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, undeserving. But how God delights in our service to Him. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Friend, God created us, didn't need us. But He created us to be His workmanship. And He delights in it. Tonight... I've simply just shared my heart with you on things that God has laid on my heart that I'm thankful for. And if you're honest with yourself tonight, really and truly, every one of us, myself included, could be and should be more grateful for the gifts of God in our lives. And tonight, I'm not going to ask for the raising of any hands. I'm just going to ask that tonight, let's quietly stand to our feet. The instrumentalists are going to make their way down to the front. And as we're standing quietly, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, in a moment I'm going to pray.